You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of the Flip My Funnel podcast. Uh, as always, the, the one of the best privileges that I have is to have somebody take over one of the episodes. It actually is less work for me, quite frankly. So it's, it's a really cool thing. But as we started this big community, we're finding incredible podcasters who are running their own amazing experiential podcast. So Samir, who is one of the, the members of the big community, has his own podcast that he started. It's called the Experience Business Podcast. So I invited him to join me so I can introduce you uh, to him and also for him to actually share what this podcast is about and what kind of people he's going to interview for you. So Samir, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sangram. Thank you so much. You know, I'm highly obliged. And to be very frank, I've, it's my pleasure and a wonderful to be part of this peak community. That's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about your podcast that you have been running and what type of people are you interviewing on that for our community? Hey, you know, this is very interesting because I personally believe that every company should be the experienced company because uh, people don't buy product. They don't buy services. They only buy the experiences. So the my podcast is about the experience business podcast, meaning Every business should focus on creating the experience. And in this podcast, I normally interview people and sometimes also solo where I talk about what are the strategies, what are the viewpoint of other leaders like CXOs, CMOs, CTOs to make their business uh, an experienced business. That is fantastic, man. So let's go and like deep dive into it because Samir, you have above, I think about 10 episodes that you have graciously agreed to have it shared on the Flip My Funnel Takeover Tuesday and Thursday episode. So Samir, again, thank you for doing that. Information about you and your podcast is going to be in the show notes. Let's go. Thank you. It is becoming very much uh, difficult for the marketers these days to know, reach out to their customers in a more timely, relevant way so that they can produce the content and drive their messaging to their to their customers. Content is actually something which is actually the pillar of any kind of uh, conversation, communication while reaching out to not only your customers, rather uh, even to your employees. In spite of knowing all of this, right, a lot of brands struggle a lot, you know, in producing content. So in this segment, we have specifically chosen this particular topic, which is called content marketing strategy, where we have invited uh, Yagneshwan Ganesh. Thank you so much, uh, Samir. It's been a pleasure joining you today. Thank you so much, you know, for joining us for the session. So guys, he is actually a, a marketing manager in Revay Marketing. He is a top 100 global marketing influencer. He is a content marketing specialist, TEDx speaker, best-selling author. And, uh, you know, his podcast, ABM Conversations, uh, which covers the topics around the problems, what the B2B enterprises face while converting their customers through the account-based marketing. And it is uh, very much popular and widely catching up. Thank you. Thank you so much for the kind words. <laughs> yeah. Why it is that so many companies find it difficult uh, in understanding the kind of content they need to actually publish to actually address the problem what the customers actually face? 
Right. So when it comes to content marketing, uh, you know, it's it's very important to know uh, why you're writing content and mm. uh, what part of the funnel are you actually contributing to and what is the purpose of the content, right? So, mm. uh, for example, when you look at the funnel per se, you have uh, top of the funnel, mid funnel and bottom funnel. So top of the funnel purpose is more to uh, generate leads or improve awareness about your product, uh, so mm. on and so forth. Whereas the uh, mid funnel is all about uh, helping uh, somebody who's already become a prospect and considering what you're doing. And mm. then you're helping them gain confidence by saying that this is how I'm different from the competitor. Uh, this is what I do. This is the configuration. This is how I, I make things easy for you. Mm. And then the bottom most funnel where you're talking about things around uh, how we are priced and uh, you know how we can fit, fit into your existing ecosystem. And um, you know after also talking about certain aspects like uh, uh, see how can I make the closure happen faster? How can I mm. uh, help you close the deal? things around that. And uh, more importantly, uh, I think it's also about the narrative, the belief system. Uh, I've I've always believed that uh, marketing as a whole is Mm. the business of building trust and building relationships, Mm. right? So if through your content, if you're going to sound salesy all the time, it's it's more like, you know, going on LinkedIn, uh, Mm. giving your connection request. And the moment you connect, if you're going to receive a big sales pitch saying that this is what my company does, it's Mm. going to put off a lot of people. You have to, uh, at the end of the day, you have to build trust and um, this is something that I also believe, right? When there is a content team or when there are a set of marketing people in your company, um, mm. you have to make them the face of your company. You have to give them uh, the, uh, you know, the knowledge, the, the backup support to make them, or even the guidelines to make them uh, the face of your company where they start, um, uh, they start putting through the content, they start uh, uh, pushing this message and talking with conviction to their contacts because at the end of the day, nobody wants to follow a company. Everybody mm. wants to connect with other people and then uh, uh, the trust is between two different people. So if we, more people can believe me, more people can believe you, then naturally the product that we are confidently vouching about um, also comes into play. Just the way you know you vouch for me today and then your audience uh, comes up uh, to listen to me. This is basically what is content marketing also. Mm. You spoke about the funnel, right? Top of the funnel, mid of the funnel and bottom of the funnel. Let's say if in case the, for the people, right, where the sales cycle is longer and also the cost of the item or the services, right, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. actually the costly. How do you leverage the content to build a relationship? I am, in fact, a great fan of Sangram Vajri and his uh, team framework. He made a very important point about, about the vanity metrics which people in the B2B segment, right, are focusing on. And he was saying that we should stop thinking from the point of view of leads then when we are actually creating a content, right? Then uh, somewhere we need to measure what is going to be the actual measurement strategies so that we can attribute the real performance of, of your effort. Right. I think that's a great question, right? So when you look at uh, measuring from a broad sense, um, mm. in fact, uh, we have to understand that uh, different measurements means different things uh, to people within the company itself. Um, so, uh, like, say, for example, I'm sending out a, a bunch of emails. Let's say yeah. I'm sending out thousand emails per day. And uh, if the email marketing team or the email marketing guy, yeah. if the metric that he's looking at is uh, how many, what is the open rate of my email, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Which means like out of thousand, how many percentage of people have opened the email or how many people have uh, clicked through. And if he's okay. going to say that I have a 5% click through and he's going to celebrate about it. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, that means nothing to your sales guy, right? So okay. um, uh, the point is what happens out of that? Have they really signed up for the product? And uh, um, so the, the point of discussion within the company, that is the team framework that you spoke about, the alignment between sales and marketing, 
is not about uh, uh, is not about what each of us measure in silos but mm-hmm. uh, we have a common set of metrics to actually go after um mm-hmm. say, say that's something that i've also tried to cover in revenue marketing book um mm-hmm. uh, uh, example that i can give you is uh, if somebody is going to download an ebook from my website right okay. when somebody downloads an ebook and if i'm going to consider that person as a prospect for your product and mm-hmm. then send that lead to the sales team then it's actually going to backfire because uh, when you the sales guy reaches out and starts this conversation um then he's going to realize that this person actually gave their credentials only to download the ebook and they were not interested in the product so the qualification criteria is really messed up there and mm-hmm. if there are like 10 leads or 20 leads coming in like that from the marketing team over a period of time the sales team is going to lose trust over whatever marketing gives it um so uh, to fix that um the key is to start with aligning on what we're actually contributing to um mm-hmm. for all you know uh, you know if we can tweak our set of processes and uh, Uh, the content or even the nurture factor right so when somebody downloads mm. at what stage do i pass over the leads to the sales team that's okay. the number one question if we uh, both align that our ultimate goal is actually to convert a customer uh, uh, convert uh, some uh, prospect into a customer or mm. convert a free customer into a paid customer then we set up this entire journey and think about where we align what are the set of things to do mm. now um, going back to choosing the uh, kind of uh, companies that i go after i think it critically starts with how much you understand your product right so mm. uh, i should know uh, who is this product for then um, shouting from rooftops that this is for everyone if we can meaningfully reach out to a set of people whom i really think are the users of the product so i would broadly say uh, you know divide your um, industries like first find out which industry you should go after uh, and uh, who is going to be the actual users of the product and uh, what are the kind of titles and then figure out that in that company um what are the different kinds of users that you should go after in sense like one um it could be the set of people that use your product and but they might not be actual buyers or they might not be actual people who can spend on the product right mm-hmm. so uh, in a typical software scenario it could be uh, the users could be uh, people who are marketers whereas the uh, the sponsorship or the people who pay uh or typically can come from the financial team or it comes from the vp or the director of marketing or whoever so mm. that's that's one so know who your uh, users are know who your uh, influencers are and know who your decision makers are and uh, once you have that clearly mapped out you know you um, we start creating content focused on each of these persona so uh, to the typical user we start talking about how i solve your problem right mm. so on a on a day to day basis uh, you know it's not yet another tool that you have to log into but um, this is how this is your problem and this is how i fit into your ecosystem this is how i solve your problem mm. and um, then to the influencer you talk about uh, you don't have to largely meddle with your uh, it infrastructure uh, you can just uh, uh, you know put this up and on top of your existing tools this can leverage a b and c and give you these results so he is able to take it further and then um, at the top when you going to the decision makers you're going to talk about things like roi uh mm. you're going to talk about things like tco total cost ownership right so where well, you can talk about how uh, when you use my product how much cost do you save what is the return that you get things like that so i think we need to um clearly map the kind of messages to each people otherwise you know we cannot be everything to everybody you have to talk specific things to specific set of people mm. so that your conversation is meaningful uh one this is all on the account side much beyond this right so at the top of the funnel there is also something much more important right you need to uh, go on and uh, 
convince or put in a message that people start believing in your product people start believing in you as a thought leader uh think of somebody like hubspot right hmm. so the moment you think of inbound marketing you're thinking yeah. hubspot Correct. right so it, it's because they have focus, i mean they never went on and said that hey uh, download our marketing automation software that was not the message they were actually uh, leading the um, uh, industry by saying that hey this is what uh, marketing should be this is how the inbound leads should be this this is how you garner attention this is how you nurture they like laid out the entire uh, sequence of things so once that happened you started believing in uh, you started testing out the ideas you started believing and started working out and um, once you gain that belief you also look into what the company offers but uh, it all comes from a standpoint of how much time do you have right so mm-hmm. right now in a, in a saas industry uh, everybody is going after uh, quick fixes and quick money and uh, uh, you know the time for gratitude is so less you have to uh, just come in instant gratification is the need of the day so you have to play different things on one side you look at uh, what are the kind of things that can give me quick wins at the uh, other side you have to look at how do i build long term relationships and how do i drive the organic side of things and mm-hmm. eventually when you started your company and started marketing and you're running this for about 3 years 4 years you have to reach a point where uh, the balance of organic is increasing and the balance right. of inorganic is decreasing so once uh, that's where actually your content comes into play content is not going to give you results from day one but mm-hmm. if you have clear ideas on where you're going um it has long term benefits and uh, it will keep you on top uh vis-a-vis uh, the ppcs of the world or the cpcs of the world mm. according to you right if somebody is creating a content not just a written piece of content any kind of content which area they should prioritize first i mean is this should be the more from the top of the funnel side or from the uh, bottom which is giving the immediate transactions according right. to so so uh, you know the most beautiful thing about marketing or marketers is that uh, for every question um, mm-hmm. th- there is a one word reply which is depends yeah. <laughs> right so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. but but then uh, you know for your first question um, but may, I, may, may, may when you say it depends right okay then people will have to consult yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm not right, going so, to give you all the answers, right? <laughs> no, not really. It, it's also about uh, you yeah. know individual situations of people and what you want to mm-hmm. do. So um, it it really depends because you know the first question, uh, yeah. uh, answering that first, um, it's it's important to both, uh, right? Yeah. So it's and uh, regardless of how much time you have or not, um, that's it's it's about how much uh, uh, what is the balance that you go for, right? So if you have very little time. <laughs> um you um uh, put in more money on uh, the cpcs or the targeted marketings and also your uh, adwords your uh, banner ads or uh, you know uh, putting on ads in the right forums uh, maybe facebook linkedin whatever or using your sales navigators of the world or uh, buying in uh, contacts from your zoom info and then trying to uh, target these people so on and so forth uh, but um at the end of the day you need to understand that uh, on one side your content efforts that that go which create inbound uh, leads uh, yeah. it's going to be more of natural progression it's very organic and over a period of time you realize who are going to be your actual customers so yeah. let me give you a quick story you know this is something that happened um, very recently uh, in our company um, in fact in jan we uh, launched a product which was a content recommendation tool called mulch and uh, the beauty about this was that when we started running this uh, campaigns um, we knew that it's a content recommendation tool and the entire mm-hmm. messaging was focused on uh, 
the the content marketing audience that is content marketers per se and we said um, you know you have this widget on your website and you'll be able to know uh, um, the consumption pattern of your users how much uh, time they are consuming which kind of users are consuming what type of content and you can go back and give this information to your content marketers and uh, they will know what kind of content to produce something on those lines so once that happens um, you know we when we actually um, got few hundred plus registrations in the first few weeks and we started realizing uh, what kind of people are actually signing up hmm. then we realized that uh, you know the dependency was not just on content marketers but the people who insert this widget on the website were these webmasters and uh, you know typical uh, people who handle websites it hmm. could be web developers or webmasters or whoever so now since this is happening this way we had to change our entire messaging entire conversation and talk uh, the language of these people now mm. we have to talk about things like hey uh, when you use this tool uh, then um, it's going to be more about uh, increasing the time on page reducing the bounce rate mm. and um, convert uh, improving conversion on page and things like that so um, the whole messaging the whole strategy changes now the reason i told you this story is that um, when you go inbound and try to put in information and drive traffic you start realizing that who actually your customers are who actually align to your product more whereas in outbound you go with an assumption you go out with some sort of a um, idea as to this these are the persona that i'm going after this is what i'm going to be fit it's it's a trial and error um, you know, it's it's based on what you have mapped out uh, but that's more about conviction it's not market facts so um, i think when these two go parallelly you can realize what is working what is not and then even your outbound your uh, account based marketing strategy can be tweaked uh, yeah. based on this understanding you now clearly know uh, what is working what is converting and all of that yeah. and uh, uh, the second question in terms of whether we should focus on uh, top of the funnel or mid funnel um, uh, that also depends on the maturity of your company right mm. um, so if your product is brand new um, you have to um, look at more uh, top of the funnel stuff right now because you know more and more people need to be aware of such a product um, and then even before top of the funnel there is uh, you know, the thought leadership aspect as well right so people need to believe in this idea first like so for example so, uh, if can you, i can i can i con- 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 yeah, contest yeah, yeah, yeah. here i'm so sorry for that so when you say right uh, people should focus on top of the funnel right not top of the funnel is purely awareness stage right we all know yeah, that yeah, and yeah. The, there could be no limitations for a company who is just starting up right of uh, not all the companies are actually blessed with uh, having more funds where they can uh, focus more but in every segment don't you think that you will still have kind of customers would be ready to pay and they would be researching about a particular problem so why you believe that you know these kind of companies should not focus on the bottom of the funnel first because no, they can I'm, easily I'm convert about, right 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 i'm talking about the stages uh, i'm not saying the company should focus only on top of the funnel i'm saying uh, depending on the stages right when they are starting out the yeah. first thing that you need is you need customers right okay. so that's the fundamental need of any uh, so to need customers you need to attract prospects or attract visitors and mm. then they have to uh, you know understand what you offer and mm. then they have to sign up and thereafter the conversion pattern or the nurturing pattern goes on but hmm. to for starters you know when you, when you just um, putting out your product uh, let's say you could have uh, you could look at several strategies on this right one yeah. it could be uh, uh, you can look at content creation and you can put uh, you know thought leadership and why this product or not just the product you can even talk about the holistic idea let's say hmm. for example if you're talking about something like performance management right so in performance management as an as a broad industry you have several frameworks 
for example, you have something like a balance scorecard, then you have something like OKRs, then you have something like a GRC, which is governance risk and compliance. So mm-hmm. you have, if you can go about uh, thought leadership in each of these areas, and then what you do is you finally uh, begin to attract people who are strategically mature, who are following mm-hmm. one of these frameworks so that they start fitting into your product. Now, uh, as a uh, when you're just starting out, right, you have to be uh, making sure that you're looking at the low-hanging fruits first because mm-hmm. uh, sustainability of your company is at stake. Right? So if uh, the first thing for the first two years or three years is that uh, the major focus is how do you make sure that I'm getting enough revenue, I'm getting enough traction uh, so that I can keep my company afloat. So uh, you should focus on, um, that's why I said uh, on one side, you look at top of the funnel, create content and make sure the people come in. On the other side, you look at, uh, say, platforms like Product Hunt, where uh, you put out your version of the product and ask people to try out. So it's a, it's a good startup founder community that you have around the world. And mm. uh, it generally, uh, people try out your product and then uh, uh, you, you need to also have a support system in the back end to see how these fits in. And uh, it, it's a good test on phase for you to see what's actually happening. Mm. And then in the later half, you can start looking at... Uh, okay, why are these people uh, who have signed up aren't, are using the free products, but why are they not becoming paid customers? So mm. what's the issue there? Uh, uh, then you maybe uh, you realize that it's all about the packaging, right? So everything that they need is already covered in uh, free, but they don't. Uh, what they see in the next packages might be something that is extra, which they don't need now. It mm. could be that. Or you could go about a totally different strategy, like, you know, think of a company like Intercom, right? Mm. So what they did is... Uh, they partnered with all these uh, all these uh, startup communities around the world, like Y Combinator um, and things like that. Uh, and what happened is they um, gave out their products for free for all these Y Combinator companies. Mm-hmm. So um, by default, these companies were going to be successful because Y Combinator's vetting is very good. They make sure that uh, you know every company that qualifies and gets funded there are actually good companies. And uh, uh, they give uh, the product for free for all these people up to about 20 users or something like that. And uh, eventually these companies end up growing beyond that in a span of one year. And uh, uh, so in short, what's happening is you are, instead of you uh, betting so much money on marketing, you are identifying a group and you're giving the product for free instead of your marketing budget. And from next year, you're going to start getting money. So it's all about how do you package your messaging? What kind of story you say? And um, to which segment, what kind of stuff you say? So it's, okay. uh, so I, in a starting level, I don't think you have to worry too much about what segment. Uh, mm. Sometimes, you know, you might have to wear different hats. So mm. uh, in majority of the companies that I've worked so far, um, I, you know, in most of the cases, I've been the single marketer in the company. Uh, like say, in certain places, I've been the director of marketing. But then um, that doesn't mean that I sit on top and do nothing. Um, uh, in those companies, it has been situations like uh, they did not even have a name board, uh, you know, from there to setting up the website, to writing content, to doing demos, uh, mm. to sitting on sales calls, pretty much everything, right? So you have to do different things and see what is working out uh, and keep adapting. So okay. it's not like a single strategy. It's not going to be linear at all. The customer mm. is going to go on your uh, um, Facebook page from there, come on to your website, from there, go on to your uh, support chat and all of that. So keep yeah. switching. So how do you uh, balance yourself in an omni-channel surface today mm-hmm. is what is going to make all of the difference. Okay. Got it, got it. According to you, let's say if somebody starts into a content marketing uh, journey, how they should identify that what form of content they should choose. So according to you, right, what is the suggestion that people should uh, explore while starting 
their content marketing journey and choosing actually the kind of content they should create. Right. So um, it's going to be purely about, I would say it's important to try out all three formats to mm. start with, like, you know, start with uh, uh, written as well as video, as well as audio um, and uh, also images, but images mm. in uh, written, I'll put it together in one flow. But the reason I say this is uh, you also have to understand who your audience is and mm. uh, where they belong. So uh, like, say, for example, if you are a B2C product and uh, your audience is like under 20, um, and uh, if you see that these are the kind of people who are going to spend more time on TikTok, you, uh, it's, it's better off you make uh, videos there and uh, see if that's attracting or uh, even spend time on Insta uh, and see Correct. if that, that works. So in general, uh, the way I go about thinking is I don't think there are certain platforms specific for B2B or certain mm. for B2C. Uh, it's uh, At the end of the day, uh, you have to know where your audience is uh, mm. you know, uh, and where they actually make decisions. For me, uh, for instance, you know, uh, personally, um, what has really worked is the conversations for me has worked more on LinkedIn than on emails, for example, mm. right? <clears throat> so because um, I, I uh, tend to uh, uh, write a lot of content or do video content in the form of coffee conversations, I also share my podcast. Uh, but um, in a way, all of these work together and they create some sort of a compounding effect. Mm. So um, for instance, say for if you did not have a lot of time to read through my content, but say um, you're you're working out in the gym in the morning or you're taking a walk uh, in your apartment, uh, you might just hop on your headphones and listen to the podcast, mm. right? So um, any of these things can actually happen, but uh, you need to uh, test all three and figure out what is working the best. Um, so um, one of the things that you also have to understand is if there is a way to map uh, all of this to an outcome. So that is the most important thing in choosing your uh, kind of content or the format of content, uh, how you can measure. Uh, and many times, you know, the fun thing about marketing is not everything is measurable. Mm-hmm. And that does not mean that it's not working as well. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, say if somebody is uh, doing a massive event or, or if there is a trade show in which you're putting up a booth, right? So the first question to ask is uh, the reason why people come to an actual uh, trade show is to network with other people or mm. probably to uh, you know uh, listen to one of the keynote speakers whom they actually want to follow things like mm. that uh, mm. and the the core um, the core experience or the core thing why they come to a trade show is not to visit your booth so uh, if you're going to spend more on that um, that's that's waste of money instead if you just buy a ticket to uh, get into the hall and then mm. connect with people and start a conversation. Uh, that makes more sense. And yeah. at the end of the day, I would say that um, the first thing to do is when you are joining a new company or when you have a new product, the first thing to do is probably go and sit with you know, 10, 15 customers of uh, that product and listen to why they have bought the product, where mm. they got to know the product from, and um, what was the thought process and uh, who all did they consider and after, after which they uh, zeroed in on your product things like that you know uh, try to understand them in their setting and once you know that you will also get to know the uh, where these people actually spend their time on and uh, what kind of format they consume and from where they converted so once you know that you you uh, uh, you can zero in on what kind of content strategy to go after and um, once you do that another thing to remember is uh, you know not try to don't try to sell it from uh, sell the product from day one uh, try to build the confidence, have a strategy. Um, and the, one of the key issues with content today is that content in different parts are very siloed, right? Mm. So somebody reads a blog, 
uh, that's it. They're after nothing. What do I do? I mean, what's the what's the use of it? So it, it's not just you know from uh, blog. I don't know, I have to uh, drive or download all the time. But what happens after a blog? How do I uh, take? How do I connect two different pieces of content? Right. So after consuming this first piece, how do I take a prospect through a journey of say after consuming a blog, maybe he should be interested in a white paper or maybe an ebook. So you are uh, trying uh, to say that you know trying to somehow create a kind of uh, I would say the driving path from one w- yeah put one them part on a journey basically to, no okay yeah yeah put them on a journey so yeah. that uh, they uh, consume your uh, content also keep observing that um, the timeline of their consumption or uh, you know how are they actually reacting to the content um, pick up all those points yeah. and eventually you know that uh, which of these prospects are actually going to convert into a customer based on their yeah. patterns yeah. right so once that happens now you can specifically pick those people and then pass on to your sales team and eventually uh, you know um, the, the sales will start looking at marketing to be contributing to revenue ultimately everything that comes out you uh, say instead of giving 200 leads per month you mm. can probably give 50 but out of that 50 if 10 converts uh, the chances of uh, you being looked up as a, a contributing marketer is much higher so that's that's what it all boils down to mm-hmm. yeah we definitely need to have a common understanding about uh, how actually our customer is engaging with our brand right yeah. so according to you uh, the kind of clients that you have worked right how do you think that you know the other companies are placing more emphasis on behavioral analytics traditionally how we have been creating a buyer cut persona is purely based on either geography or let's say gender or which industry they belong to we might have that you know certain set of people might be coming to your website consuming your content but then the motivations for leaving your content or not buying it could be something different right yes so how actually the companies are actually capturing this behavioral data so that you can place the analytics on top of it to create actually the customer user journey right so according to you right when we have to actually create a content right according to you how much it is important that you know we understand journey mapping of our customer Right. So, right at the beginning, uh, you know, the reason I even said that write different content for different persona is mm. to make sure that uh, you resonate with their purpose and their journey. Uh, mm. So, um, you know, uh, once you start doing that, um, you you uh, and secondly, I also spoke about uh, you know taking people through different content uh, journeys. The sense, like from a blog, make them download uh, a white paper, an ebook, or a solution based comparison doc between two uh, companies, and all of that. so um one of the key things to look in this entire journey is who is consuming what kind of content mm-hmm. so the number one thing is to look at that um so when you start doing that you will eventually realize thing, uh, the reason i told you uh, examples like uh, the user consumes more about how uh, how it makes my life easy whereas the, the decision maker looks at roi and things like that it's it's based on personal experience when you look at uh, what kind of content these people are consuming and mm. what is their uh, primary jobs and uh, what they have to do and what decisions they have to make and all mm. of that so um once that happens then uh, you secondly you also have to understand uh, at what point people drop off on the page uh, is it because uh, it's it's taking too long to get to the point or uh, you know uh, are these people having too little time and if have we not communicated in the first 5 seconds or so is it because of that or was it not long enough uh very fluffing around too much that they felt uh, hey i'm not getting any outcome through this so um that's something that you have to look at 
and uh, then ultimately you you also look at uh, specific points like time on page bounce rates and things like that also as a uh, as a supporting material so um, you know one of the key things that i've uh, identified or have found about bounce rate is that a lot of time people tend to think that uh, if people are bouncing off a page uh, and mm-hmm. if the bouncing rate is something like 90% or 100% it's mm. not always necessary that your content is bad or the wrong kind of people are coming in uh, it there's a mismatch uh, the second thing that's why i always say that also look at uh, your uh, time duration because somebody might have uh, spent 5 minutes on your page but the bounce rate is uh, 100% it's because from there they did not move on to a proper customer journey uh, they just did not find anything relevant after this page and they mm. bounced off they closed out of your website so um, by by checking all these aspects you will get to know uh where the fall is in a sense uh, uh, once the journey is going on at what uh, at what stage people are falling off at what page people are not converting and how do i improve that uh, look at heat maps uh, you know look at certain uh, uh, metrics on the pages to where they are clicking where they are not mm. um but then at the end of the day it's not just that all these things do help to an extent you can uh, place uh, things here and there do a bit of growth hack around this but that is not all right so uh, at the end of the day it's all about do we provide real value so you are um, saying that it is not always also about the content what you create it might be value but it is also about the kind of content experience that you provide so according to you right if i have to focus on content experience i have to understand uh, content experience from the point of view of personalization right so uh, first things first uh, you know for all our listeners um, content experience uh, stands for the experience that people have with your content on your website mm-hmm. um so think of uh, yourself um, you know as as someone who is trying to buy a product from a site like sap or microsoft mm-hmm. so there are going to be hundreds and hundreds of pages um and uh, in fact you might have the need for one kind of solution and it might be extremely difficult for you to find that solution on that page mm. uh, right so it might be uh, hidden somewhere deep into the website in the second degree or third degree under the resources section and it might be very difficult to find um that is that is of one sort the second type is that uh, you might have a lot of uh, content um, or a lot of resources such as white, uh, white paper or ebooks um, which might be very dated uh, mm. it might be very old data like say for example <clears throat> the the white paper that you have in your company uh, or on your website uh, might be about a product or a solution which you have sunsetted long time back you know that doesn't we make we see this very often in fact in the bigger yeah. brands you know we come that we still see that 2017 content right and people have this uh, you know forgotten to update a lot of yeah. things are basically the problem because maybe the either the content is not centralized so the people are not aware of you know uh, what has been posted earlier and they still keep on posting the same kind of content which is updated and while we still have the older content already ready which they forgot to actually repurpose or you know update yeah yeah exactly right so and uh, when that happens you know that product is no more there but you also have that uh, content on the website that does not make sense so uh, in in this effect what happens is uh, when you start auditing your content on the website you begin mm-hmm. to understand that hey there is there is lot of content which is not being used and at the same time there is um, you know only a small section of content that is being consumed more um, so uh, there is there can be a mental bias that can be created when you analyze this and you might think that only these kind of content is working so i am i will ask the content marketers or the content creators to build more of uh, content in the pattern that is being consumed but uh, this audit should also reveal um, that what is the intent with which people are coming in as you rightly said 
and who are these people and what they are looking for. Um, for instance, um, with respect to Overflip, right? So um, one of the things that I think um, that is missing on a site like Overflip is they invariably take you to a, a content hub uh, where you have to go and uh, yeah. pick and choose the content, right? You end up going into a hub where you're still hmm. going to find out, uh, you know, you, you might have a hub of videos or hub of content from yeah. which you're trying to consume. But it is not going to suggest you as to uh, what you need at that moment. It's not catering to your intent directly. Um, so Vizavi, what I'm talking about is, uh, for instance, if you could be suggested the right piece of content during the part of your journey itself. Um, mm. uh, so think of an example like, uh, you know, you're on the pricing page of a company. And mm. right when you're on your pricing page, right there in the budget, if I could suggest uh, something like, uh, you know, this is how I am priced compared to your competition. Uh, you mm. know, download and check that. Or mm. give you an ROI calculator saying that this is how much you can save. Or if I can give you a total cost ownership related document. So um, if if you can understand the context, uh, it need not be even, uh, you know, super ML driven, super AI driven. It could be very simple rule-based stuff based on what page, what content I show. Do simple we have any that. tool? Do we have any tool other than Uberflex? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, uh, the product that which we released uh, does exactly that. Uh, it's called mulch.ai, which is M-U-L-C-H. That's part AI. of your company as of? Yes. Yes. That's part of Rev Marketing. Yes. Mm. So that's something that we have done. And uh, it's, it's been quite successful. And that's why, you know, we in fact, we've seen a lot of people uh, um, come in from different uh, um, facets of the industry. Like we've seen e-commerce companies use it. We have seen uh, education companies use it. Um, mm. So it's, it's all about anybody who has a lot of content on their website. Um, the, uh, if you want to drive a specific experience, you go about that. But um, I don't want to keep this uh, conversation focused to uh, my product. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not the agenda here. Yeah. Uh, but, but that said, um, you know, content experience is more about how you make it contextual to somebody's journey while on your website or while on their journey. So mm. um, the focus point here is Make sure that um, you show only relevant content. Second, you make sure that you don't break their current journey. You don't want, uh, want to move them away from their journey and take them to some, somewhere else. So on their fly, if you can enable them, uh, you will more often than not end up accelerating their sales cycle. And then for all you know, you know the journey can move from 90 days cycle to it can become 60 day cycle. Uh, so it's all about how do you empower them with the right information at the right time so that the decision-making is faster in the prospects company. So you were saying that do not give them something which they have already consumed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great, great. So uh, coming back to your book, right, the revenue marketing, uh, just give a brief idea about, you know, what this uh, book is all about. And then maybe, you know, we'll understand the context. Sure, sure. So um, you see, uh, revenue marketing comes from the fundamental of, you know, as you rightly called out mm. in the very beginning itself, that Marketers are generally looked at, uh, you know, either uh, content creators or party planners mm. uh, where, uh, you know, who is going to either conduct an event or produce content or conduct a webinar. That's, that's uh, very traditional, right? I'm now in the digital yeah, marketing yeah. doesn't work. Uh, everything yeah, is but, but even, you know, even when digi with digital marketing, um, yeah. it still happens that on one side of the company, uh, there are sales enablement people who are building mm. case studies, who are building, uh, you know, comparison docs and things like that. And then you have a performance marketing team on one side of the company uh, who are more about uh, your AdWords, SEO and stuff like that. Hmm. And then uh, you have your field marketing teams where uh, they um, conduct events, they do uh, you know uh, field trips, visits and things like that. You have your uh, account-based teams which focus on uh, specific accounts, work closely with sales. So uh, it's like a split in different ways. 
And ultimately, um, still one of the largest problems that marketing has uh, when you look at uh, the C-suite mm. is that we cannot, uh, it's still very difficult to attribute uh, the revenue contribution of marketers. Mm. So you can talk about uh, how many leads we generated. Uh, you know, we can talk about how much brand value we created and all of that. But how much did we directly contribute to revenue? It's very, very tough to map. Mm. And uh, that's that's one thing that I've tried to uh, address Cover in this book. That. Yeah, yeah. So that's one. Um, one one simple example could be, um, you know, if I have to give you the cost of customer acquisition, right? Mm. It's a CAC as we call it. Um, we measure it very broadly in different companies. So, um, uh, for for example, uh, some company can think of this is the total money that I've spent on marketing, and this is the outcome, or this is the number of leads that I've got, or this is the number of customers I've been able to close. Now, uh, so the money spent versus customers closed becomes your uh, customer acquisition cost. But um, it's also very important to look at this from a channel standpoint, right? Each channel, how does it contribute? Uh, so when you look at each channel wise, then you begin to understand what is working, what is not. Mm. Um, you might understand that, hey, content is giving me so much. Uh, CPC is giving me so much. Events are giving me so much. So my company is more dependent on events. So it makes more sense for me to spend on emails. Or if my company is more dependent on uh, Facebook ads, it gives me more. So um, that's that's one way of looking at it. And uh, finally, it's also about um, creating some sort of a framework as to how you can tighten uh, the relationship between mar- marketing and sales, right? So one is, um, so I have a model in this book, which is called the game model, which, mm. which um, so it's a, it's a revenue model, frame, uh, revenue marketing framework. Game stands for gather, agree, map, and execute, Hmm. right? So you gather the right kind of audience first, you know, and then uh, once you have a list, you also think about who is the, who is my ICP, who am I going to target after, and how is it going to be modeled, and what are the different uh, uh, channels that I'm going to use, so on and so forth. Then you go sit with your sales team and try to agree as to, is this what, is this the way they look at it as well? Because they are the people who are talking to your customers on a daily basis. They know what is going to convert, what is not. At one mm. glance, you know they will know uh, whether um, this is an account uh, worth spending time or not. So once you gather that agreement, uh, then you start mapping the right accounts to the right narratives. You know what story you tell to this company, or what channels you use for this specific company, so on and so forth. And finally, is the execution cycle as to how you meet them, how you iterate, what you analyze out of it, what's mm. the return you take back, and all of that. Now, how this overall contributes to the experience is. When you start mapping into uh, what is converting and what mm. is working, uh, more often than not, you're falling into the line of what is actually making sense to your customer, right? So you're gonna um, you're gonna stop fluffing around and you're gonna focus on things that actually work. And um, when you see conversion, when you see this working, um, then it means that the customer more often than not has the right experience. It it, it means that you're telling the right stories. It means mm. the, your brand is positioned well. It means that you're using the right channels or at least you're spending on the right channels only and things like that. So yeah, that's that's the gist of the overall uh, thing if I could say in about under five minutes. Wonderful, wonderful, Yavnish. I, uh, I definitely wanted to ask the role of content creation and uh, how do you think that the employer branding and the C-suite branding is more important? Um, so, uh, well, um, one of the uh, reasons I, uh, you know, even the first uh, place, the reason I told you that you have to empower each of your employees, employees. or make them the yeah. fa- face of the brand is, is exactly this, right? So <clears throat> it is, um, 
say at the end of the day people are going to build relationship with people and no. um, uh, so so I'll just take a very simple example of how linkedin works right mm. so when um, you're going to post something from your company's page mm. versus posting something on your personal account mm. uh, see where the reaction is going to be higher see where the connection is going to be higher it's going to be naturally on your uh, uh, your your, your your particular profile yes yeah yeah so so it's because you know people know you and uh, people are going to react to what you're saying they are going to look at you as individual and the trust is built by an individual um so look at a company like drift right so um you know as long as uh, dave gerard was there with drift um he was one of the key faces of the company yeah things and, have uh, changed you know we see very less often the content was you know, the way he was driving the things right yeah so if you can create more faces that people or people or customers can trust Hmm. that's that's what you want right so uh, you uh, if i can uh, trust 10 people instead of one hmm. you're actually uh, making lot more sense you're actually uh, converting more and in in a way you know that's the fastest way to actually build brand um than spending heavily on pr if you can get 10 people empower them and uh, ask them to influence a set of audience over a period of time hmm. that's going to work much much faster um people like say for example uh, i might not have originally known uh, the company that you work for but um since i know samit now i uh, i know your company so i no. think that's how things actually start and that's how you need to empower yeah you know, there's there's no point in spending a lot of pr unless you are a huge brand and uh, your narrative and your whole messaging um is extremely important to be out in the market unless you are a coke or a pepsi unless you are an apple or a microsoft mm. uh, you know you can afford to do that but when you are in the starting phase when you are in the mid segment i think uh, you need to focus on what puts food on your table and that's where i think employer branding can go a long way in facilitating that so thank you so much you know yagin it was really wonderful points and in fact you know there were so many insights out of it right so uh, before we wind up session right i once again would like to say just a good luck for your book and guys you all must join his abm conversation which is a podcast a uh, quick shout out more. here uh, you know uh, this is a quick shout out to uh, my good friend manish nepal also because uh, um, you know re beat uh, coffee conversations are beat uh, yeah manish hey, yeah in fact yeah, yes, with, without uh, without him uh, you know both of these are not really agree, possible agree. so yeah in fact yes, manish is purely into content marketing if you guess i'm yes, not wrong yes, yes. yeah yes yeah yeah guys so yag and manish has been doing you know i would say the commendable job right abim conversation podcast has gone like with uh, 20 episodes like uh, yes. the coming wednesday it will be 21st yeah uh, and so it is yeah, it's been I, a pretty it, interesting it is, journey and it is it is mostly the weekly episode i guess i think it's some yeah it's it's weekly one episode we are uh, we started somewhere uh, uh, towards the end of december and we are just 21 episodes old and uh, we are very, very happy that uh, right now we have about uh, um, say roughly 3000 listeners every month So it's mm. it's growing well month on month. So, thank so you I would so highly much. recommend, right? Thank you, thank you so much uh, yeah. for having me, uh, Samir. It's been a pleasure, and uh, um, I mean, uh, we have we have like been connected for a long time, but it's been pleasure to see you in person. I mean, virtually at least. We have thank not so never met each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So once again, right? Thank you so much, Yag. Thank uh, you so good much. Have a good day. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.